And you know, in my 49 years in this town, one of the more special people I've got to meet over the years has been Cupid 2019, Joe Rassicott. I knew him back in his days at the post office. Oh, I saw him plenty at Recreation Park. He umpired my softball games and many other people's softball games. And he's just an all-around good guy and a great choice for Cupid 2019. Cupid 2019, good morning. Nice to see you today. And let's flash back 12 days ago what that day was like for you. At one point, did you say, uh-oh, they just picked me as Cupid? Wait, I'm st- I'm still in shock. <laughs> you you invited me here last week, but I was just in shock. I couldn't make it. I had a little health issue, but here I am. You're feeling good now, though, right? I feel better now, yeah. Yeah, real real special day that day at yeah. Bellingham Ballroom at it Town was, Hall. I was more nervous there than you can you can't imagine how nervous I was there. You're not nervous now, though, right? It's, a little bit. I, nah, you know, you'll be this fine. is something I don't do every day, you know. No, but you've been here before. We've got great baseball I, stories you told in the past. We'll get a few baseball stories about your Dodgers. But, you know, full disclosure, though, as passionate a Brooklyn Dodgers fan as you were and are, you walk in today wearing a Red Sox sweatshirt, a Red Sox hat, and a Yukon sweatshirt. Where's the Dodger stuff, Joe? <laughs> you you leave it home? <laughs> well, you know you, the Red Sox are on all the time, and you you've got the you've got the root for the Red Sox. They're 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 more or less local. Everybody, this side of the river is for the Red Sox, and the other side of the river are for the Yankees. I'm not sure I'd go quite that far. I do know one or two Yankee fans around here. They want, I do too. They want equal time on, on they that. They do one. too. But that being said. The Red Sox and the Dodgers played in the World Series. Were you at all torn in that? Because your old team was beaten by your, I guess, current team. What was it like for you watching the World Series with those two teams that are so big in your life? For the Los Angeles Dodgers, you mean? Yeah. I mean, Wayne, I, I, there's I don't... No, there's I, no more Brooklyn Dodgers, pal. No, I know that. <laughs> I, I, I know. And there's no more Koufax and Drysdales and all that. No, but there's a Sandy Koufax, and I'll tell you what. He looks today like he could go out and throw four more no-hitters. Is, doesn't he look amazing? And he's, and he's 87 years yeah. old. People don't realize how old Sandy is. Wow, and I, I, the last time I think Sandy was is in Maine, he's, he's living up in Maine. He's very recluse. Or recluse, whatever the case is, yeah. but you know we'll get some baseball talk in here today. But I like to, I think we got the, the main story here is the whole Cupid thing. What has the last twelve days been like for you? You mentioned under the weather a little bit, but when you walk around town, when you see people, obviously you get positive reaction. But what are some of the things people have said to you since you got this honor? Well, Wayne, I'll tell you, I've gotten a lot of hugs and a lot of kisses. I guess it comes with the job. <laughs> Yeah, it does. I can speak from personal experience about that. You got your own business card. Well, you should know. You should yeah. know. No, but you know, when I, when I first got it in 82, they said that this is someone who does a lot to promote the positive image of Willimantic. And, you know, I take that role proudly. And I think that as Cupid, you will do that as well. Maybe you don't get around as far as public exposure much as I do, but you, you still love this town and you are a great ambassador for this town. I, I love the people in this town. We've got some... We've got some great people in this town. We've got a great university here, a great, a great town. I, I've, always, I've always loved this town. I don't even have to go out of town to enjoy myself. And when you talk about my background, all the people I run across during the course of time, that equates to you as well. 
You look at the years you worked at the post office. You saw thousands of people coming through there, sometimes repeatedly, people you got to know. And then you look at your days at Rec Park. People knew you as an umpire. You did that for so long. So you see these people all the time that you've known from those various interactions. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Especially, uh, you know, in the post office, I waited on hundreds and hundreds of people. And every time a stamp went up, I got heck. <laughs> Why not? They can't complain to the government. They're yeah. a joke. Uh, I, 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 I knew when the stamps were going to go up the next day. I'm, I'm prepared to, to take it. You know. Yeah, they went up from five cents to six cents, and people hated that. <laughs> oh, I know it. Aren't yeah. you glad you're not working there now? <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy. Flashing back I, to that. I, I, Tell I, me about the old post office. You worked in the old post office. I worked which in is, the old post office, which is now Willie Brew. Yeah, which is a crown jewel, right? It's it's really the crown jewel of one end right now. Yeah, I worked in the post office. In, I started in 1960, and uh, I worked there for six years. I was carrying the mail. I was doing the clerk work, and I knew I had a good job, and I knew I had security, which is very important today. Secure. I knew I wasn't going to get laid off or anything like that, and I did everything they asked me to do. I'm working 5 o'clock in the morning, till 10, 12 to 2, and 4 to 8 at night. Split shifts. And, and we're working, you know, 50, 60. I never worked 40 hours a week. It was always 50. Plus, after a while there, the umpiring came along, and I cut back on the post office a little bit because I had to make the games at quarter past 3, and I'm dressing up in the post office at quarter past 3 to be up at E.O. Smith at half past 3. Yeah, but there's no benefits for that. There's no uh, health benefits and things like that. But you did it as a labor of love, the umpiring and all uh, labor base- of baseball love. and softball. Oh. Stuff. Yeah. I, I met so many wonderful, 90, 99% of the people, I, I just, uh, I, I like to know their names. I like to know their first name, and I like to know their last name. 99%, huh? There's the 1% well, that there's you don't always, want to see There's again. always one. There's, there's <laughs> always one that, that don't agree with you. 2019 Romantic Willamantic Cupid Joe Rassica joins me in studio this morning and picking up what we talked about before about his days working at the Willamantic Post Office. I kind of think of you as a guy behind the desk when I'd go in there to buy my 20-cent stamps, whatever they were back then. But you mentioned that you were actually a guy that did letter carrier routes. I wasn't aware of that. So uh, where were your routes in town, and what was that like for you? Oh, well, I was a substitute, Wayne, and... We did all, every time somebody booked off sick or something like that or had a problem, we did every route in town. So I got to know every creek and cranny in this town, believe me. And uh, every time a letter would come in, like like I said, we told you before, John Smith, 140, uh, 145 Main Street. I know where he lives, but it's addressed to Main Street. Well, I used to put the 145 on it and and deliver it. So that's a lot of little. That's a lot of little things that I I did for a lot of little people, a lot of people, including which me, was helpful, including me. There was a lot of those that came to me that were not fully addressed. That I'm not even sure now in 2019 would get through. They're a little bit more anal about that than they were back then. But you know, we had Joe out there. He would know 
who this was. He knew who I was. And when I would get one of these badly addressed envelopes, Joe would always write on the outside. I knew where it came from. It would say, another save. It became an in-joke between the two of us. So you got the save stat in baseball, which he and I love, and you got the save stat in the post office. Now, that's something else you and I have in common besides baseball and softball. I was a summer sub-mail man out of the Bridgeport post office in the summer of love, 1967. But that was summertime. Did you have to do a route in... It wasn't romantic, Willimantic back then. In the winter time, in the cold months, in the, well, absolutely. What was that like? Oh, Cuba? it was tough. <laughs> it was tough. That the elements and the, you know, the first five or six years, I, I, I worked inside and I worked outside and a lot of the letter carrying and the clerk work and all that. And then in 1960, 66, I moved in inside permanently, from. 19, let's see, 1966 until 1998. And I was a clerk, folding the mail, handling the money, and dishing out the letter carrier's valuable mail, and doing the mock-up clerks and sending folding mail to Florida and California and you name it, Arizona. But uh, that's mainly what I've done in the post office. And I, uh, I mailed... And when somebody uh, booked off sick again, I filled in at the window and sold and sold stamps. We did we did everything there. Every that, little things that meant an awful lot to people. Now that aforementioned 1966, that would coincide too with the move from the old post office to the new, now the current Willamette post office. What was that like for you as a, as a mailman back then? Was it that big a change? Did they have things at the new post office? in 66 that they didn't have at the old post office? Or was it just like another day at the office, just in more modern facilities? Well, the towns have expanded. The towns like Hebron and Columbia, we used to get two or three sacks of mail for Columbia and Hebron. We moved into the newer post office, and it just, everything just seemed to explode. Hebron grew to 10,000 people. Coventry grew to, to what, 9,000 people now. The just mail ex exploded, and we needed the room. We and, we and we're supplying mail for 40 towns around here. We go from Mansfield, the stores, to Putnam, to Andover, to Hebron, to Coventry. All the mail comes here, and it's dispatched out of here. And what were those towns you mentioned earlier? You said Chestnut Hill, and there were like three towns that you referred to. What was that story? There was... Uh, well, when I when I first started in the post office, we had uh, all those towns, but there's only three that closed in the 40 years that I've been there. Chestnut Hill. That's part of Lebanon. Eagleville and Merrill. They've all closed. And that's the only ones that I remember them being closed till this present day. Meaning there was an actual physical post office in those locations. Absolutely. It's not right. there anymore. Right. Yeah. And there was a post office in... There was a post office right next door to here, too, by the way, in Curran's Pharmacy. There was a little substation in Curran's Pharmacy next to this building right here. Did not know that. Oh, another, <laughs> uh, another scoot from 2019. I, I believe, I, and I, I'm, I'm, it dates me back, but I believe it's around 1944, during the war. We had a substation there, and I believe there was a substation where Jackson Sumner's, Sumner and Sumner Insurance Great stuff from Cupid 2019, Joe Rassicott. He and Cupid number one, 
me have another thing in common, and that's that we didn't grow up around here. Me, it was Southern California, Hollywood, Glendale, Trumbull, and then here. Obviously, 49 years later, I must like it around here. You're not from around here. Give me your background and what initially drew you to the Thread City. Well, my father, my father was a veterinarian assistant, and he worked for Dr. Blake, and uh, he, Blake recruited him from Hartford, and I came here in 1938. I remember, well, I was five years old, and I, I remember one of the first things that I, re I recalled is the hurricane of 1938, and my mother carried me up the back stairs, and I'm looking out the window, and there's the church steeple on the Congregational Church falling down. I remember that distinctly. In fact, like you said last week, it was a Life magazine. I think it made the front page of Life magazine. And then I remember the Luma Opera House, 1938. It was in great disrepair. And I remember that coming down. And I read a little bit of the history of the Luma Opera House, where it held 1,100 seats. And I remember reading where Les Miserables was playing here in 1912. And every time a new show came to town, there was a parade to advertise the show. Kind of like what I mentioned earlier with Buffalo Bill Cody. He played there, or Buffalo, was it Buffalo Bill or Buffalo Bob? Wait a minute here, I got, I got it right here, Joe. Let's see now. Buffalo Bill Cody, and we talked about the fact that he played here back in the late 1800s, and as he came to town, he'd have a big parade down Main Street to probably help promote the event. That, that's that's yeah. exactly what it was, a, promo, a, a promotion. Sure. We, uh, wow. Can you imagine 1,100 seats in one great big huge theater? And that was then the, then the, I remember the Woolworth building being built around 1940, I would say. Which is the building we now call which the Nathan's there, building, which, is which, there now, which yeah. I'm looking at right now across the street right. from where we sit. Yeah. And then we can morph from that into the fact that uh, you are a big musical play kind of guy, including Andrew Lloyd Webber and Leah Salonga. Tell me about your interest in, in those plays. Because many of those I've not only seen, but I'm a big fan of as well. Well, I finally got myself a little computer. I'm not very good at it, but I'm keen. What's that, Joe, a Windows 98 computer? Windows, what, what do you, what think, do you want in there, pal? <laughs> I think it's Windows 30 or something like that. But I dabble, I dabble on it, and I'm running across all these people I've never even heard of, like Sarah Bajas and Leah Salonga and Lloyd Webber, everything. All Broadway today is Andrew Lloyd Webber. And Sarah, Sarah Brightman. Can you imagine a show like Phantom being on Broadway for 30 years where the average is, what, four or five? But here's Les Mis with 17 years, Cats with 17 years, and uh, Superstar, I think, was, what, seven or eight years? Fantastic. And it, like I said, all Lloyd Webber. Have you seen any of those plays, like I've on seen, Broadway in person? I've seen Les Miserables, I've uh, seen Phantom, I've seen Evita, and I did not see Superstar. Don't cry but, for me, Argentina. A man of many talents. We haven't even talked about your days in uh, Rec Park with softball and, and baseball. How did that come about? How did you first get drawn into being an umpire? Well, Charlie, and I, Charlie Wojcik and I were working together in the post office, and Charlie says, Geez, they need umpires down the down the park, Recreation Park. What I year said, would this have been? And I said to Charlie, I said, Charlie, you know, I, you know, I, I don't think I'm up to it. 
He said, well, they're paying you $10 a game to do a, do a game down there. And that makes 10 for me and 10 for you. We get 10, 10 behind the plate and 10 on the basis. I said, well, I'll try it. I'll, I went down there, and two or three games later, I'm staying out of trouble, and I'm getting to like it, and I'm getting to meet a lot of people. And then I'm doing more and more and more. And I got involved in high school, doing high school games, recreation park games, Eastern games, and all the surrounding schools. And including baseball. Including baseball. Mostly mostly baseball when I first started out. And I met some I met I met I met a Dodger scout, Dick Teed, who I got very, very friendly with. And he asked me about certain players and all that and I helped them and I said he's I, of what I can see, I said he's worth looking at, and I I got to know him very well. When you start to be either a baseball or softball umpire locally, is there any training involved, or are you just going on your own knowledge of the game and the rules? Well, I played the game for fourteen years. I knew what it was like. I knew, I knew the uh, the uh, the ins and outs and all that business. So, I I really was self-taught. I was really self, and I paid attention. When I went to minor league games, I paid attention to the. the I, I paid a lot of attention to the umpires of, of their positioning. Positioning is the key of any sport. Basketball, I don't care whether basketball, football, or baseball. Positioning, you got to be in position. If you're out of position, you're going to miss a call. Cupid Joe Rasicott joins us this morning, telling stories about his years here in Willimantic, both working at the post office and also working as an umpire. Not just softball, but baseball also. Who's the best baseball umpire? Who's the best softball umpire you ever saw in this town? I would say at the top, the top of my head would be Roger LaFrance. Baseball. With baseball and Doug Donaldson with softball. They were both very, very good. Why? What makes them good? Just as you talking they, specifics they like balls and strikes? Or what about interaction with the teams, the players, the coaches? I, I never saw any reaction from players. They always... You know, they would never argue with Roger LaFrance. And they would never argue with Doug Donaldson either. They both they, they both could talk. Well, did they argue with you? Oh, they, <laughs> of course. There was, there was a story. Uh, there was a story. My niece is coaching one of the softball teams down here, and she's giving me a tough time. So in the third inning, she's really giving it to me, and I... I all of a sudden I hear. Wait a minute, your niece is giving you. Yeah, my niece. My niece, believe it wow. or not. Rose Rose Kershnick. and uh, <laughs> about the third inning she says, "Oh, that's a that good guess. That's number one." Now is she serious or is she just giving you a hard time? She's giving she me give a hard time. Give me a hard. I look over there and I say, "Calm down, Rose. Calm down." <laughs> Fifth inning rolls around. I get another close call. Good guess. That's number two. Oh, my God. So I see steam coming out of her ears, and she's all upset and all that business. It's a, it's a May day, and it's chilly out and everything else. Seventh inning rolls around. I get the, I get the third call. Another good guess. I said, hey, where's that? She's spilling <laughs> off at me, and I'm going back at her, and she goes back to the dugout, and I said, what did you say? She said, you've been guessing all night. You guess what I said. 
That almost sounds like a joke. It really happened, though, <laughs> yeah. huh? All right, well, equal time. You have to have the answers. Equal time for my guest this morning. Denise Bellamy used to work for us here, and kind of I helped get her into the softball league, if I can humbly say that, and she's still playing. I'm not, but she is down there at Rec Park. And she says this morning, my personal Joe Rassicott observation, he was the most purely neutral ump the women's league has ever known because he loved all the players. We were his favorites. We were all his favorites, so we had to call every decision the way he saw it. Also, he had the heart of a teacher. Sometimes he would make a call, then he would take the time to explain it. So, A, no one left the discussion disgruntled, and B, most importantly, we all had a chance to learn. What a great and humble man. I really thank Denise, and I know Denise is a super person. Just thoughts about that in general. Was that part of your mission as an umpire, not just to explain a call, but to help people learn, in this case, probably the rules of the game? Sure, because, you know, you, this is not Fenway Park down on the <laughs> recreation park, let's face it. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are just starting out, and, they, and they, they try to learn the game, and I just try to explain what's going on here and how do you move the game. You, you have to move a game. And sometimes scores are 16 to 1, and the strike zone is not the same anymore. <laughs> Make it a little bigger, Make huh? it a little bit yeah. bigger. Speed this game up. Get speed up rules. And there are games, 16 yeah. to 1 and 15 to 2. And, of course, when the game is 3 to 2, the plate gets a little bit smaller. <laughs> and the pressure gets a little bit. And the pressure is there. And 3 to 2 games. And I don't care if it's hardball or softball. There is pressure there. To make sure you call them right. And I, I did the very best I could to call them right. So many people in this town know you as a softball umpire. You were part of the inaugural Willie Mack Softball Hall of Fame, as was I, by the way. But you were also, as you said, a baseball umpire. When you're at a game like Fenway or if you're watching a game on television, do you have the mind of an umpire? Are you watching a play? Are you watching a strike zone? Are you watching a bang-bang play at first base thinking how you would have called that, or are you just watching as a fan because you love the game? You know, that's the toughest position in the world. People think the home plate umpire is tough, but the plays at first base today, they are so bang-bang that it's, uh, it's amazing how the major league umpires get 98% of them right. And when the cameras started coming in, the instant replay that's coming in, I'm saying to myself, what do we need the instant replay for? What are we getting paid for? We're getting paid to call them right. And even television, when you had arguments like Billy Martin and Leo DeRocher and Tommy Lasorda, that made it, it was part of the game. Fans loved to see an argument. And then when it came to the change recently where they do have video replay in sports in general, baseball in particular, I agree with you. Oh, once in a while, they replay it. But to me, the replay system they have now shows the human element is still pretty good. Eh, there's a blown call once in a oh, while. Of course there's. Oh, sure but there is. I think it shows most of the time these guys are so good they get it right most of the time. And you know what? If there's a controversial call, whether it's a fair foul and a home run or whether it's a bang-bang play at a base and replay, by the way, which a lot of times are impossible calls to make with the naked eye, right. if replay reverses it, well, fine. Then right. technology is able to get a leg up on that. But I think for the most part, this new move to replay has shown how good these professional umpires really yeah. are. And especially when there's a close play at second base in our day, if the throw is there, you're out. 
If, the, if you didn't tag him or not, it made no difference. The throw was there, you're out. With the instant replays now and all that, it shows if you didn't touch him or, or touched him. That's the way it is today. Obviously, Joe is a baseball fan, but Joe was always a longtime Brooklyn Dodgers fan. Tell me about your first years discovering the Brooklyn Dodgers and maybe you went to a few games at Ebbets Field. Just want to know the, the early days. Who were some of the players you first glommed onto as your heroes in that sport? I never got to Ebbets Field. That was my big disappointment in life, I think. I had one chance. I'm in the military, and I'm coming home on the Pennsylvania Railroad, and I'm going into Grand Central Station at 5 o'clock, in, five o'clock at night. And it's either my girlfriend, who I was going to marry or go to Everett's Field. And I'm 19 years old, and I'm saying to myself, I'm not going to Everett's Field. I don't even know where it's at. I'm going to go, I'm going to see my girl first. So, but how do you not love the Dodgers with their nicknames? Van Lingo Mungo, Preacher <laughs> Rowe, Peary Reese, Edwin Duke Snyder, Shotgun Shuba. Every, all the Dodgers had nicknames. That was just in the and the uniforms were the best. The uniform, that Dodger blue stuck out from everybody else. So are you saying you became a Dodger fan initially because of the players' nicknames? No, I, I you know they were they were always the lovable losers. That the Yankees always used to beat the Dodgers until, until Jackie Robinson and the, that crew came along. Speaking of Jackie Robinson, what a shame! What a shame that Robinson came up at 28 years of age. Can you imagine him at 22? He lost a good seven or eight years, and by the time he was 35, he healthy. He had health issues. He had he had diabetes. People didn't know he had diabetes. So, of all your years being a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, we can probably morph this into the Los Angeles Dodgers too. In fact, I lived out there when the Dodgers moved out. But who's your favorite all-time Dodger? I like Kyle Erskine a lot. I followed I followed him a lot, and you know we just lost Don Newcomb, and there's only I believe only two more remaining Dodgers of that 1955 team, and Erskine is one of them, and I'm I'm trying to think who the other one is. Oh, Sandy Koufax, that's it from 1955, and we just like I said we just lost Newcomb, and there's only 18 left. Of all the Dodgers, I looked that up on I looked up that on my computer, Wayne. Congratulations, <laughs> Joe. Welcome to the 21st century. Don Newcomb uh, just passed away. I was impressed that not just a Cy Young Award winner, but also an MVP. You don't see that these days. Generally, a pitcher is Cy and a position player is MVP. But Carl Erskine, who just mentioned the uh, the pitcher, is 92 years old. He'll turn 93 years old in December. So we're glad that we still have him around. So what was it like? Being a Dodger fan back then, was it was it the same way it was for the Red Sox fans before 2004, where you're always good but never good enough, and then suddenly things change for you in 55 and for us in 2004? Oh, sure. I'm sure it was. Like I said, the Yankees always used to beat the Dodgers. And from 1940, what, from 49 to 59, every team that won a pennant was a New York team. The Dodgers, if it wasn't the Dodgers, it was the Giants, and if it wasn't the Giants, and of course the Yankees had a, they had a 10-year run. Four years in a row they won the 
then it, and the World Series with Ralph Houck and Casey Stengel and all them people. Marison Mantle and Mar- Whitey uh, Ford and all those guys. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But sure. still, did you find yourself quietly admiring some of those guys? Like oh, how, sure. Like, for example, how good Mickey Mantle was. I, I've seen Mickey Mantle. I've seen the great Ted Williams. A fabulous hitter. I've seen, I've seen the two DiMaggio brothers. I've seen Mel Parnell, uh, Lou Boudreau for the Red Sox. Uh, I've seen uh, Hank Greenberg for the Pittsburgh Pirates when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates at the end of his career. He played for the Tigers, though, right? Greenberg. Greenberg? Yeah. No, he was the, he was with uh, Detroit. He was a life lifer with Detroit uh-huh. until the last year of his career. He was with Pittsburgh. You didn't mention my guy there, Hammer and Hank. Hank, I never saw him. That's, I never saw. Now, when you say saw, those guys you just mentioned, those players you just talked these about. These are people you, that I saw. You, you, I mean, fact, but you didn't go to Abbott's Field. So where'd you go? Yankee Stadium? Fenway? Where did you see Fenway these guys? Park. Us kids. Us kids are 13 years old. Me and Tony Santalucci and a bunch of us kids from Spring Street and Summer Street. We got on a train right here for $3 and a half round trip. We go to Fenway Park or Braves Field. There's 20,000 empty seats. We're getting the cheapest ticket we can find, a dollar probably, and we sat anywhere we wanted. It was just great. Span, son, so Warren Spahn and Johnny Sane, and we had to leave. And, and, at and, four. Two, and two days of rain. Yes, <laughs> and we had to leave. And we had to leave Fenway Park and Braves Field at 4:30 because there's no transportation to get back here. But us kids, like 13 or 14 years old, all of us are, and no mothers and fathers. All by ourselves. That was that was great. Just getting on the train. That's great stuff. And of course, for me, I became a Braves fan because they were so good. I'm living in Southern California, and you know they won the '57 World Series, beating the Yankees in seven. Lost '58 series, losing to the Yankees in seven. Had a three games to one lead. And in '58, the Dodgers had moved out. Well, I'm already a Braves fan, so I didn't like the Dodgers. I won't go so far as say I hated them, but. What it did was it meant that now I had a venue where I could go watch my guys play. I right. would see the Braves and the Dodgers play at the Coliseum, at Dodger Stadium, and it was great. And I, I still admire Henry Aaron. He, he was the guy that really got me into loving baseball as I do. But I can still give that whole starting lineup for the 57 Braves, including you know Eddie Matthews at third base and Joe Adcock at first, Del Crandall behind the plate, and you mentioned Warren Spahn, Lou Burdett, Bob Buell, Joey Jay from Middletown, Connecticut. Middletown, sure. All those guys, too. How about? An umpire from those years? Did you? I mean, you. you Frank Dascoli from Danielson, Connecticut. Who? Frank Dascoli. That's a new one. Danielson, Connecticut. Really? Yes, really. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, so, 19, so. 1948, 49, 50. Yeah, I think he had a a, a good ten year career. What do you think of the uh, runners-up in the World Series this year? The Los Angeles Dodgers. Are they going to make a run again next year? Oh sure, the Dodgers are low. They they've got a great farm system. They got a great. I'm I'm looking at the White Sox. I'm trying to analyze as I look at TV and all that, and I think the White Sox are going to make a a, a terrific move this year. People don't if they get this this Harper, <laughs> and who knows? And I'm surprised that some of these players aren't picked up yet. Like Kimbrel, he's not picked up yet, and Kirchhoff from Houston, they're not picked up. 
Well, Kimbrell had a couple hiccups last year, but he also had a lot of non-clean innings. To me, it wasn't so much the walk-offs he gave up. It was more the fact that he couldn't throw strikes. You know, he'd get behind guys 3-0 and eventually walk them, and you can't do that when you're a closer. You want the guy, you know, the Mariano Rivera comes in and strikes guys out. Right. And he can strike guys out, but not, you know, when it's ball four. So. As, as an umpire, you want a pitcher to throw strikes. As an umpire, you as want a pitchers. fan, you want pitchers to throw strikes. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all want people to throw strikes? Well, we don't. We don't, we don't want to watch ball four all day long. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and the foul balls today. There was. I was watching an exhibition game yesterday. One guy hit eight foul balls into the seats. Hey, three foul balls, you're out. <laughs> Romantic. Well, <laughs> well so there's some softball rules like yeah. that. Let me go back to the Cupid Award and. We've talked about what it meant to you, but what about this town? Why is this town special to you, Joe? I, I just think it's the people that I've met through the, through the years, basically. And I think that those people are glad they've met I have, you as well. I have, a, I have a lot of respect for a lot. Of, I, I got a tremendous amount of respect for people. And uh, I took a job at the Wyndham Hospital four or five years ago, to deliver meals on wheels. Because my nephew says, Uncle, you're sitting home doing nothing. Why don't you go over to the hospital and volunteer and deliver meals? So I said, you know, that's a good idea. That's another way to meet people. And, you know, Wyndham Hospital had a program of delivering 100 meals a day. And we did, we serviced Andover and Lebanon, the high-rise at Wallamantic, Hampton, we went all over, 100 plus meals. And then Hartford came in three years later and took the program away. And I thought that was very upsetting because I delivered the meals and I got to see people that were wrapped in blankets today and I go to the same house next day and they're still in the same blanket. That is sad. That is so sad. The shut-ins, you know, the youth in this, the youth in this city, I hope, helps the old, elder, elder people taking groceries out to their car. If you need help uh, shoveling a sidewalk, do it for the next woman next door. She's 80 years old. Help her out. I like to see the youth volunteer a lot more than they have been. That's, that's, a, that's a good, and it makes your heart feel good. Amen to that. Off air, we were talking about the Academy Award winning Best Picture movie, The Green Book, which I happened to see on Friday. It blew my doors off, and then eventually it won the Oscar on Sunday night. So we were talking about that to Joe, and then Joe said, I've lived that experience in real life. Now, by the way, the movie is about uh, a white guy, a bouncer in New York City, who is hired to be the bodyguard for a black classical piano musician and also his driver as this keyboard player does a tour and he goes not just in the northeast like pittsburgh and then eventually south to memphis and eventually birmingham and yes there are some issues along the way and not only was it a story about pre-civil rights america 1962 but it was a great story about the relationship between the white guy and the black guy it really emotionally moved me so i'm talking about that with joe during the break and you said you've lived that. Tell me I've that story. I lived that. 1956, I'm with the Special Services in the Air Force because we played ball in the summertime and traveled all over, Wichita, 
Enid, Oklahoma, Texarkana, Texas, you name it. And uh, every time we had to go eat, I it was my turn at times to go to a restaurant to see the, if they would service uh, three black players. And I would go in and say, no, we're not, serving, we're not serving black players. So I would get sandwiches and bring them on the bus for the players. And that, you know, I never lived like that. I, uh, I was never brought up that way because, like I said, they're no better than anybody else. And uh, that's the way it was in those days. Tough. It was very, very tough. And I, the three black players, I got to know very well. They, they were like my brothers. And... Well, that's part of the Dodger story, too. Just give me a little bit of a personal insight you might have about, for example, Pee Wee Reese taking Jackie Robinson under his arm. And when they were taking some of their trips, especially to southern cities, Jackie couldn't stay with the team. And that went on to guys like Hank. I've read Hank Aaron's stories about the same thing. The black players in those days could not stay with the white players in the team. And there, there's some, some, some tragic stories just about the fact that they did not have the same accommodations the white players did absolutely right yeah that's true that's true and that and that area was a gray area in kansas and and oklahoma it was a gray area getting back to uh, your personal love of baseball and i've seen it but you you have your own little mini cooperstown at, at your home but it's not just the brooklyn dodgers stuff and the baseballs and things like that you're proud of the fact that the collectibles that you have include things from local players here. Tell me about some of those stories. You know, this town here has had some great, great minor league, professional minor league players. We've had the Ford Dunnick brothers. Phil Roy pitched in the uh, Ohio State League. Uh, Brian Murphy. Oh, I, I, I just adored every time he pitched. I, Al LaBeouf. Uh, Those are two. AJ AJ Pollock from Hebron, Connecticut. Murphy and LaBeouf were both great players at Eastern. Murphy, a pitcher, at, and LaBeouf was a great uh, infielder at Little Turtle Lot High School. For for Murphy. In fact, yeah. the last game I did, the last game, the last high school game I did, and I'm getting old, because I'm doing a JV game, and Matt Harvey is pitching in the varsity game, and Jesse Hahn is pitching in the JV game, and I went over to the coach and said. Coach, what is this boy's name? Because I think he's awesome. So he told me his name, Jesse Hahn, and he winds up pitching for, right now he's pitching for Kansas City on the disabled list. But just great players around from this from this area, and it's cold here. And you mentioned A.J. Pollock out of Ram High School. Who's he playing for next year, Joe? He's playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Play with the Diamondbacks and has yeah. a great career. Got a local yeah. kid playing Major League Baseball for your Dodgers. And I, I, honestly, I don't remember him because mostly I was involved with the, knowing the pitchers and the catchers, Matty Sinatra and people like that. Uh, you talked about some local guys, too. I mean, we had Randy Luciani out of Wyndham. Randy Luciani and Paul, Paul Monno. Monno. Yeah. They, were both, they were both minor league players, too. A lot of professional players there. I played with a guy at, at Wyndham High School with me, Willie Rivers. He played at New Iberia, Louisiana <laughs> really? in 1958. Now, I've only gotten one foul ball at a major league game that I've been to. I still have it at home. I've told that story in the air many times. I won't bore you with it again. Did you ever get a foul ball at a ballpark, and do you still have it? No, I don't. I don't have a ballpark from a foul ball at the ballpark. What, bad hands, or just one never came to me? Never, never came to me. 
Wow. So, so what are some of the other cool things you got? Get, tell, tell me some of the memorabilia from the Dodgers that you might have that were special to you. I have Mike Sandlock. No, nobody ever heard of Mike. He caught in the <laughs> 1940s. He died at 100 years of age last year. Caught for the Dodgers and the Braves. Uh, that's one of them. And, uh, you, what do you got, a, a ball? Or what I got you? a ball. A signed, signed ball by, by him. him. Okay. Yeah, I got Johnny Pesky's signature on a baseball bat. And uh, let's see who else. Wal Dropo, of course, for the Red Sox. The Moose Up Moose. The Moose Up yeah. Moose. Rookie of the Year. Yep. Maybe, probably, the best athlete ever at UConn. Played yes. three sports. I would, I would Played think football, so. basketball, would and so. baseball. Probably could have gone on to play pro in any of those, but ended up playing with the Red Sox and became Rookie of the Year in the American League. Thinking of, I was thinking about Roger LaFrance and a story that goes back that Jewett City came down here with the American Legion team, and I have the bases, and John Risley has the plate. And John's missing a few, and I'm laughing my full head off at second base. <laughs> and Roger LaFrance is all upset, and John gets upset. And he starts to throw Roger LaFrance out, and he says, take them five other kids with you. So there's six missing, right? So about the fourth or fifth inning, I hear, we hear more squabbling. So John's in a hot day. Four more are going. You four, you're out of here too. I'm saying to myself, John, that's ten to myself. The seventh inning rolls around, and we're here laughing in the dugout. And I don't see nobody in there. And John goes over. The four kids are laughing on the floor. Them four are going to go. So that's 14. I said to John after the game, I said, do you know that you threw out 14 kids? He said, yeah. Well, 13's unlucky. That's almost like a, that's like a banquet joke. That's a true story, though, huh? That's, that's great stuff. I, you know, I played 35 years of softball. I played three years of Twilight League baseball as well. But, you know, you, you umpire a lot of my game. So, Joe, what are your memories of me as a softball player? The memories? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's many of them. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, wow. Did I ever abuse you verbally? The pun? Did I ever abuse you verbally? Not really. No. In fact, in fact, I'm I'm proud of the fact that I've only thrown out one player in the five thousand plus games. Wasn't me. One. Wasn't me. Was it? No, it was oh, not good. you. Good. All right. It was not you. All but right. like I said, you have to have answers when somebody comes at you. You have to have answers, whether it's right or wrong. <laughs> you you have to sell up. You have to sell a bad call. And then as we wrap things up today, or something I didn't know about until about an hour or so ago, but of course we lost Peter Tork, Peter Torkelson of the Monkees last week. You've got a Peter Tork story. Peter Tork, my nephew had just uh, come over to my house to clean my furnace. And he says, do you know who's across the street? I says, no, I have never seen him. I, I noticed a lot of trucks moving in there. He said, Peter Tork is moving across the street from you. Wow. This is just a couple months ago. This, this is, is two yeah. months ago. Yeah. This is just two months ago. And uh, I, like I said, I never saw him. And it's, it's un- too bad the fo- poor fella died. There he was. Yeah, great guy. He's actually yeah. sat in the seat that you're uh, sitting Wayne, in right I wanna, now. You know, I've had an awful lot of support, and I want to thank, thank my family. I want to thank the Wall- 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 uh Girls Softball Association, 
Woolly Mac, Roy's Boys, the Bagel, Roy the, the Bagel Boy, Roy Dessinger's Bagel, Roy's Boy, the Bagel Boys and Ladies, of course, uh, the Recreation Department, and especially, especially Jim and Lorraine Palmer, and Terry Lavoy. I just want to, I just want I really appreciate what they've done for me without their support. I'm not here today. And we also appreciate the town for picking Joe Rassicott as 2019 Cupid in Romantic Willimantic. Joe, I, I treasure my years knowing you here, and I hope we have a lot more of years together and get together and tell stories about baseball, softball, and beyond. Congratulations being Cupid. You'll serve it well. And by the way, I'm expecting you to be at the Boombox Parade. I will be there. On the I 4th will, of July. The good Lord willing, I'll be there, Wayne. <laughs> Joe Rassicott, Cupid 2019 on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.